Hello and welcome to another episode of the So Leadership Podcast. It's exciting times right now. We are getting towards the midpoint of the year. We're coming towards the end of June. And that means that we've gone through the first half of this year already, and there's only about half a year to go. And when it comes to this podcast, we've looked at a number of topics across the past six or seven months. We've looked at things like running effective meetings. We've looked at topics like caring for people, leading through crisis and uncertainty. Last two episodes have really been about answering questions that some of you have been asking. And really, in all, in all of it, really, what it's about is helping us to grow, to be a generation of leaders who are equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively in all that we do. Now, you guys submitted a number of questions, and it was great to see them. We tried to answer them in the last couple of episodes. But one question or one topic we didn't touch on was the topic of burnout. There were a number of questions that came in about this topic, but we didn't address it in the past couple of episodes because I wanted to do a specific teaching podcast on this topic. And that's what we're going to do today. We're here, we're going to unpack this topic, and we're going to do four things today. Firstly, we're going to look at a definition of burnout or a working definition of what it means to burn out. Secondly, we're going to look at things that we do or things that are in our culture that can place us in dangerous territory when it comes to burning out. Thirdly, we're going to look at ways that we can try to avoid burning out and putting habits and practices into play to help us avoid getting there. And thirdly, sorry, fourthly, we're going to look at what to do when you're in that space. If you find yourself feeling like you're burnt out and you don't know what to do, we're going to briefly touch on a few aspects that will help in that regard. But this podcast is going to be different. When I was preparing and thinking through this material, I realized that I don't really have the qualifications to speak about burnout. And the reason being, yes, I may have served for a number of years at so, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm still in my honeymoon phase. I'm still young in leading. I'm still young in ministry. I haven't served for 40, 50 years like some of our brothers and sisters elsewhere have. And so today what I'm going to do in the content that we unpack, I'm actually going to rely very heavily on what other people have said, other pastors or leaders have said about this topic. You'll recognize a number of the names that I, I share. Some of them would be new to you. But I'm going to let what they say be the main content for this podcast. And I'm going to fill in some gaps or, or connect the dots when it comes to what they're saying and what life is like at so. And so I hope that that will help give a bit of context and a bit of authority to what's being said because a lot of what I'm saying today is not my own and I'll quote a lot of people and what they say. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to give a number of resources that I've relied upon or read through or um, sat in as I prepared this. And I'm also going to put that in the, the show notes for you to check out and I encourage you to do so because it will give you a, a much deeper understanding of the topic and the concepts than I can do in, in a 25, 30-minute podcast. But without further ado, let's then dive in. The first thing we're looking at is a definition of burnout. Now, the word burnout is thrown around so often, 
particularly in ministry, um, and particularly for those of us when we're in, when we're young and we don't really understand what it is. Often we will say that we are feeling burnt out or we have burnt out when really maybe we're just feeling tired. And so it's important that we make sure we understand that being tired or being or feeling a sense of tiredness and exhaustion isn't necessarily exactly the entirety of what it means to be burnt out. There's a lot more that goes into it. I like what um, Kerry Newhoff, who's a pastor in the US, um, and he's got his own leadership podcast, and he he makes some effort towards defining or coming together and putting together a working definition of what burnout is. And he gives three identification factors. The first one he says is exhaustion. That feeling of complete tiredness where you can't take a nap or you can't take a weekend off and recharge. You're completely exhausted and it takes time for you to recharge and you're not recharging the way you used to. Extreme and and deep senses of exhaustion can be one of the indicators of burnout. The second one that he highlights is a feeling of detachment. He talks about not really feeling connected. You're doing a lot of the stuff, but you're not really feeling connected to what you're doing. You feel very cynical. You feel very disinterested, and you feel that sense of detachment. That's the second identification factor that he gives. And the third one, which he highlights, which I think is quite relevant, and I've heard a lot at so, is a lack of motivation. A lack of motivation where we feel like we just have to get stuff done, but we don't really want to do it. And it's not just a one-time thing or a short-term thing. It's a persistent, long-term experience for us. And it's so particularly in these times where we've been in lockdown and things have been so up in the air and changing so frequently, a lot of us, myself included, have felt that sense of motivation not being there the way it used to before. And one thing that that Newhoff mentions and makes a clear point is that it's not always a case of identifying those things and that means you're burnt out. Often there's a sliding scale. For some people, when they're feeling really burnt out, you can experience all three of those factors on a level of about 9 or 10 out of 10. That's extreme. That's an extreme level. Whilst for others, we can feel these aspects, exhaustion, detachment, lacking motivation. We can feel that on a level of about three to four out of 10. There's a sliding scale. And depending on where you're on, the scale will will suggest perhaps how close you are to extreme burnout or completely being worn down. He also gives a, a functioning statement or definition that he thinks about, which helps him identify burnout. And he says that when we're burnt out, often the functions of life continue, but the joy of life is gone. I'll say that again. The functions of life continue, but the joy of life is gone. And when you apply that to a ministry context, you might still be leading meetings. You might still be running events. You might still be doing all the stuff you did at the very start But the one thing that has changed, the main thing that has changed is that you're no longer enjoying it the way you used to. And that's not a sense of just feeling like you you can't enjoy it or feeling like you can't be um, in that space. When when we're talking about not enjoying life or not enjoying ministry, it's a deeper sense than that. It's a sense where you feel like it's meaningless. You feel like there's no point. You're just getting a job done. And as as a... 
as a leader, you want to make sure and you want to be very sensitive to where you are on that level. So he says, the functions of life continue, but the joy of life is gone. And I want you to keep that in the background as we continue to move through the next couple of points. So what are some things then that can get us into that dangerous territory? What are are some common traps that we often fall into when it gets Sorry, what are some of the common traps we often fall into which get us into that dangerous territory where we can come to a point where we realize that the joy of life and ministry is is gone and, and we're just kind of going through the motions. And for this, I want to rely on, on something that Paul Tripp, who's a, another writer in the US, he's written a lot of great books, particularly around ministry. He's got a big heart for pastors and pastoral ministry. And he identifies three things in his, in, in his book, Dangerous Calling, that he identifies as being unhealthy aspects of leadership or pastoral culture. Now, the book he's writing in particular is focused at pastors, but there's a lot of stuff that we can take out and apply to leaders of any level when it comes to ministry. And he identifies these three things. The first thing that he says can get us into a dangerous space is letting ministry define our identity. He discusses at length how it's so easy for pastors and leaders to let their ministry become their identity. There could be a huge disconnect for them in their, between their private and their public worlds. But for many of them, they get by because they've connected their identity and they've based their identity in their ministry in what they do. And when you do that, he says, you're in dangerous territory. He shares about how for him, he was preaching and teaching so often and doing great public ministry, but privately, he was always angry, particularly with his family when he was at home. And to this end, he says, and I quote, ministry had become my identity. No, I didn't think of myself as a child of God in daily need of grace in the middle of my own sanctification still in a battle with sin, still in need of the body of Christ and called to pastoral ministry. No, I thought of myself as a pastor. And you can insert your leadership title there, president, vice president, student leader, what have you. He says, that was it. Bottom line, pastor or or the title of pastor defined me. And he says that as a result, he was in a dangerous place. And he makes the point that as Christians, we always need to remember who we are in Christ and let that be our identity. When we stop doing that, when we allow ministry to define our identity, we're in dangerous territory. And to that end, he says, you you are most loving and patient and kind and gracious when you are aware that there is no truth that you could give to another, be it in ministry or otherwise, that you don't desperately need yourself. That's the first thing he identifies, letting ministry be and define our identity. That can get us into a dangerous place. The second aspect that he identifies is letting biblical literacy and theological knowledge define our maturity. So often we we look at those who know a lot, and I know I've been guilty of this myself, and we look at people who have a lot of insight and know a lot of things, a lot of truths, a lot of things that you know you and I take to be difficult sometimes. We look at people who know those things and we think that that is what spiritual maturity looks like. But really, maturity is about how we apply what we know 
and actually live it out. To that end, Paul Tripp in his book, he says, maturity is not merely something you do with your mind, although that's an, an important element of spiritual maturity. No, maturity is about how you live your life. It is possible, sorry, it's possible to be theologically astute, but very immature. It is possible to be biblically literate, but in need of significant personal growth. We get ourselves into dangerous territory and we think that when we know a lot or when, or when we know more than those around us, that we've reached the level where we can be comfortable, where we've reached that point of maturity. We don't realize that we need to be applying it in our lives and living out what we know. And the third aspect or the third pointer that he identifies as being an unhealthy point about our culture and can get us into dangerous territory as pastors or leaders is, he says, confusing ministry success with God's endorsement of our lifestyle. So often we look at the fruits of our labor and we see what seems to be God blessing our efforts and we think that that means we're doing well and that God is endorsing us in every aspect of how we live and do things. But that's not always the case. And so Paul Tripp make those sorry Paul Tripp makes those points that these are things we need to be mindful of because if we're not, they can get us into dangerous territory where we're at risk of burning out or serving without the right heart. Lance Witt, who is another author, he writes a book called Replenish. He takes a different perspective. Um, he takes and adds a couple of other different pointers. And I'm just going to highlight two. There's a whole lot in that book. But I'm going to highlight two things that he says. And there are two chapter titles in his book, actually. The first one, he says, is ministry is not your life. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because often we talk as leaders at So and we ask what, what we've been up to. What have you been doing in the last couple of weeks? And often we say something like, oh, I've just been doing So stuff. It's like 70% of my life. And we laugh and we, and we brush it off. And sometimes that's okay because naturally when we're invested into something, it takes up space and time. It's not always a, a bad thing that we're spending a lot of time and investing a lot of time and effort into a ministry or something else. That's not always a bad thing. But the dangerous thing, the dangerous place to be in is when ministry becomes the center of your life, where everything revolves around it where it's all about what you're doing, the next meeting, the next event, the next reap group gathering. It's about the next project. Instead of Jesus being at the center, sometimes we can let ministry be the center because we spend so much time around it, maybe, because we invest so much around it, maybe. But the ultimate problem is that we let ministry be our life, be the center of our life. And just like Paul Tripp said in his book, Lance Witt says this, he says, when this happens, that is when ministry becomes the center of our lives, when this happens, you begin to do ministry in the flesh. You begin to think that serving God is all about working hard, being strategic, developing leaders and executing vision. You fundamentally begin to believe that it's up to you. When you have disconnected from the vine that is Jesus, ministry will become joyless striving and stressful pushing. It will become a hassle and a burden. Or if you want to rephrase that last part, you could say that when you disconnect from the vine, which is Jesus, 
Ministry becomes a space where the functions of it continue, but the joys are gone. When I listened to this, when I read this for the very first time, I actually had to close the book. I had to stop and just think about where I was at personally. Because if I'm honest, I don't always live this out either. But it was an important reminder because it's so easy to think about the next project, the strategy that we're trying to implement, the development of our leaders that we're trying to see. But we don't realize that we've actually disconnected from the vine. And Lance Witt says that it's important that we remain connected to the vine, that ministry is in our life. It's not the centerpiece. Jesus is. And we have to stay connected. The second thing that he says, um, as I said, there's a number of things, but the second thing I'm going to pull out He says is that we have a need for speed, a need for speed. He says that so often in ministry and in life in general, we feel such a strong need to travel at breakneck speed. Everything is about efficiency and productivity. And to travel at that speed has been so normalized by our society today. And this is what he says in his book. He says, after all, he rationalizes, time is short. And we're, quote, going fast for Jesus, or so we say. We have been scammed into believing that an insane pace is simply the price tag of effective leadership. Let me say that again. We have been scammed into believing that an insane pace is simply the price tag of effective leadership. And again, when I read this, I was sitting there going, man, this is hard. Because we live in a world where being busy is the norm. Being busy is the acceptable thing. It's what is worn like a badge of honor sometimes. And I've done that myself too. But he makes a really good point. He says that a little bit later. He says, I've come to this fundamental conviction that following Jesus cannot be done at a sprint. You can't live your life at warp speed without warping your soul. Powerful words. Powerful words. And sometimes, really, what Lancewood is saying is we need to slow down. If we're thinking about burnout and we're thinking about how do we avoid getting into that space, for some of us, it's a need to just slow down, whether it be just a little bit or whether it be to really pull things back to a high degree. We need to slow down so we're able to see things with clarity, so we're able to do the things that we're doing with a healthy speed, with a healthy heart, with a healthy soul. And so these are some of the things that Lance Witt highlights. As I said, both him and Paul Tripp have a number of other aspects or factors that contribute to getting us into a dangerous space. And so these aren't the only things, but these are things that I've seen in my own life put me in dangerous territory. These are things I've seen in the lives of people close to me at so or otherwise that put them into dangerous territory. Another big one is our tendency to forget the why, why we're doing what we're doing, losing sight of what we're doing and who we're doing it for. There are so many things, there's so many reasons. And so I want to encourage you again to check out the resources that I'll go through at the end and and really delve deep into this topic and examine your own heart when it comes to burnout and what can be pushing you into a dangerous space. So that's 
point number two, let's move on to the third one. How can we actually avoid burnout? So we've looked at what a working definition of it is, where the joys of life are no longer there, but the functions of it might continue. And we've looked at some of the things that are in our culture or in our habits or in our work attitudes that can lead us into a space where we're at risk of burning out. But now in point three, we're going to look at what it means to avoid burning out or how we can go about avoiding burnout. And I'm going to highlight just three aspects, just three. And a lot of these are drawn actually from an article written by John Piper. And I'll quote him as we go. But the first aspect or first thing that we can do to avoid burnout is to spend time personally with the Lord regularly. We, I know we often talk about that and we say that's important and we truly believe that I, I know. But do we actually do it? John Piper in his article, he says this, he says, linger with the Lord every day. Find a time, find a place, stay with him, listen to him, be real with him, get to know him. This is not a performance there or in the service of your kids. Come out of the closet with the aroma of Christ on you. Act out of the overflow of what Jesus is to you in your lingering with him. Piper makes the point that we need to stay connected. We need to abide deeply in the Lord. That's arguably the number one thing that's going to help us to serve with perseverance, to serve sustainably and avoid burnout. We need, as leaders, to be spending time with the Lord. And as leaders in ministry, it's something that we can often overlook. It's something I've often overlooked, and I'm sure you have at times as well. Because in le- sorry, as leaders in ministry, we, we often spend so much time doing stuff related to faith. You know, we're preparing reap group Bible studies. We're going through those passages and making sure we understand the questions. We're running meetings with our exec team or our leadership team or with a department in our ministry. We're spending time praying together as a team and praying for the campus and for the people that we lead, and it's awesome. And so often we can see that and do that, and we fall into the trap of using that as a replacement for personal communication and communion with the Lord. Kerry Newhoff in his podcast, he says this, he asks this question, which I think is important for us to sit and just ponder. He says, if I stop doing ministry today, what would be left of my faith? In other words, is our faith so intricately connected to what we do for the Lord that if ministry was taken away from us, there'd be very little left of our personal faith? It's something that I'd encourage you, maybe even now, just to hit pause on this podcast and have a listen. Have a listen and think and reflect on that question. If you stop doing ministry today, what would be left of your faith? We need to make sure that we're regularly spending personal time which is not related to ministry, spending personal time with the Lord, reading his word, praying deeply with him, personally with him, being raw and honest with him. It's an important part of helping us be sustainable and serve in a way that is sustainable for the longer term. The second thing, which I alluded to earlier, the second point, second way we can avoid burning out is remembering the why, always coming back to the why. You've heard this quote a number of times before. I've said that people will work for a what, but give their lives for a why. 
And that's a statement made by Craig Rochelle. I feel almost compelled to call him my friend, but he doesn't know that I exist. But he says that people will work for a what, but give their lives for a why. And that's true, yes, for anything, but especially true when it comes to ministry and the ultimate why. We have the opportunity to participate in the greatest act of all history, the story of Jesus bringing people to himself. We get to be part of that. He has done the ultimate act, the ultimate sacrifice. He has died for the sins of his people. And now we get the opportunity to participate in the work of bringing them to him by ministering to them, by praying for them, by preaching for some of us to them. We get to participate in in that work that God is doing. And when you, whether you're a leader of an entire campus or whether you're just a leader of one person, whether you lead maybe a small Bible study group, we have an incredible privilege of being part of what God is doing. And so we need to fix our eyes on Him. He's the one that's working. He's the one that's doing the work. We need to remember and come back and behold day in, day out why we're serving, why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just a job. It's not just a task. It's not just something to get done in the day. It's an opportunity and a privilege to serve and to be part of the work that God is doing here in Sydney and particularly on our university campuses. So we need to come back to the why. We need to remember the why. And thirdly, we need to create good rhythms and balance. If you've hung around me for any amount of time, you know that it's something that I like to think about and talk about it's something that I'm not perfect at either myself, but by God's grace, I, I, I believe I'm getting better. But it's crucial that we create and we maintain a good rhythm of work and rest. I think we're often great at, at working and pushing and getting stuff done, but we're not all that good at resting. And that's because often we, we don't naturally drift towards rest and balance. We, we need to intentionally pursue it. John Piper, in the same article, he says this. He says, keep Sabbath. That is, keep one day in seven to disengage. Go out to pasture. You are not just a shepherd. You are a sheep. And a sheep, sorry, and sheep need food. Find what spiritually refreshes you on that so-called day off. Now, do you do that? Do I do that? When I was in uni, I think towards the back end of my time there, I know I got into a, I think, a healthy rhythm where one day a week, usually for me on a Sunday, I would disconnect and I would not do uni work. I would not do ministry. I'd just spend that time enjoying the things I like to enjoy to do. I'd watch the football. I'd take a nap. I'd read a book. I'd talk to friends. Obviously, I'd go to church in the morning as well. But I found that when I started work, I needed to create a new rhythm because I wasn't able to do the things I wanted to do or things I was doing for so or otherwise Monday to Friday the way I used to have been because I was working full time. So I need to create a new rhythm, a new habit, a new cycle because so many times I found myself out of nowhere, panting, figuratively speaking, and catching, trying to catch my breath because I lost that rhythm. And one thing that's helping me and I hope will help you is exactly what John Piper says is to set aside one day to unplug and disconnect from ministry um, and ideally from work and uni as well. It's not just ministry. One day where you can just spend the day enjoying time with the Lord and doing the things that you love, maybe meeting with friends, spending time with family, doing the things that God's given you and, and 
caused you to enjoy. Maybe you like going out, playing sports or being with other people, what have you. Spending a day doing that. Now, often you may not feel that you need to take a break for a whole day each and every week, but hear me out here because if we're waiting for that need, if we need a break for a whole day each week, or if we need a break for an extended period of time, if we absolutely need it and that's why we're doing it, then we've missed the point of what it means to be sustainable. The whole idea of sustainability is that it can be continuous. And so we don't want to just wait for that time where we feel like we need it. We want to create a regular rhythm where we're doing it week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. Another aspect of creating good rhythms and having balance is to have hobbies. In his podcast, Newhoff laments and he jokes about how so often as leaders, we're asked what our hobbies are and we say our hobbies are ministry. Particularly those of us who are doing ministry for the most part of our week. And we say that's our hobby. And it's not a knock on enjoying ministry. It's great that we enjoy ministry. But he makes the point that we need to have things outside of ministry, of uni, of work for those of us who are working. We need to have things outside that are our hobbies. It could be a sport. It could be reading. It could be writing. It could be playing music, whatever it is. Find something or a few things which are different. And which you enjoy doing and create times to do those things. Set aside those times to have hobbies and have time where you can unplug. Maybe on your rest day if that so fits. And the last element or the last aspect that that I've read and seen and a lot of people are saying when it comes to having good rhythms and balance is a five-letter word. And the word is sleep. And when I read this, I think the first time I read it, I can't remember who said it or who was writing about it, but I remember I read it and I just kept scrolling. And I did that a number of times until I realized that a lot of people are saying it, but for many of us, sleep is often something that can be sacrificed. A lot of us have seen that meme where it's an impossible impossible trinity. On one hand, we want to have good grades, we want to have a social life, and we want to have sleep. And you can't do all three, you can only do two. And often the one that many of us sacrifice is sleep. But John Piper says this, he says, sleep eight hours a night. That's crazy. I I wish I had been sleeping eight hours a night in uni. That's crazy. He says, sleep eight hours a night. Nothing brought me closer to quitting than sleeplessness. Hope and rest rise together. So don't be so overly spiritual and say that you can get five hours of sleep and the fruit of the Holy Spirit will carry you. I think the fruit of the Holy Spirit works often by the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, you are not God, go to bed. That is the Holy Spirit talking. And when you get, sorry, and what you get from your restedness, you got from the Holy Spirit giving you the humility to stop playing God. How many of us rest well? How many of us sleep well? Or is your cycle like mine used to be in uni, sleeping at 2, 3 a.m.? Waking up sometimes at 7, 8 o'clock because I have to be somewhere or otherwise just lounging around. It's important that we create times to sleep, to unplug, to recharge physically. Because that's going to go a long way to helping us be in a good rhythm, having a balanced life and being able to serve sustainably. And so lastly, then we come to a point where we're looking at, well, what do you do if you are feeling already burnt out? What, what do you do if right now you're listening to this and you say, you know what? The functions of my life are continuing, but the joys are gone. 
and I'm just going through the motions. I'm just ticking the boxes. I'm just trying to get to the end of each day. What can we do? How can we deal with it? How can we work through that? And I want to give four aspects, which I've drawn out from another article by Carrie Newhoff, again, who was a pastor. And his story is incredible. He was pastoring a fast-growing church for a number of years. And on the outside, he says that, you know, if people asked him how he was, he would have said, yeah, things are great. The church is going well. And he would never have realized on a personal level he was struggling so deeply. And he writes a number of articles, and I believe he's actually got a book coming out on this whole topic later this year or early next year. But he's written an article which he identifies a number of aspects, a number of ways that we can deal and work through that, that period of, of burning out. And I'm going to draw out four things that he says, which I think are really important and relevant um, and really summarize the entirety of what he was saying in that article. The first thing is this. He says, reach out. Often we, we try to just deal with things our own on our own. I know I do myself. I try to do it myself. I just try to overcome myself. But when we're struggling, it's really important that we reach out and we lead, lean deeply into those that we trust around us. We need to go to those that we trust, our friends, uh, people who are close to us, our close confidants, or maybe those who are leading us and we know care for our well-being. And we need to be real. We need to be raw. We need to be honest. And we need to seek help. And maybe that might even mean seeking help from a professional, someone whose training and job it is to help people in leadership, in ministry, work through these kinds of feelings and seasons. Don't suffer in silence and just try to do it yourself, but reach out. The second thing that he highlights is it's not just reach out to other people, but to reach out and to lean deeply into God. And he says this, and I want to just quote the whole quote. This is what he says. He says, just because he, that is God, seems silent doesn't mean he's absent. I did not feel God for months, not when I prayed or read the Bible or worshipped, but I didn't give myself permission to quit. In these pivotal moments, you will either lean away from God or into Him. Lean in hard, even if you feel nothing. I did, and eventually the feelings of intimacy return. Just because you can't feel God's love doesn't mean He doesn't love you. Your emotions will eventually catch up to your obedience. And so you're in a place where you're struggling right now and encourage you, lean deeply into the Lord. Spend time with Him. Linger with him, as John Piper puts it. Lean deeply and rely on him. The third one, and we've talked about at length just before, rest. Take some time to get some space and catch your breath. If you're feeling like you're just going at 100 miles an hour and you kind of feel like life is just dragging you along and it's just unstoppable, take some time to just pause, to just hit pause on some things. It might be ministry, it might be other things in your life. But you need to give yourself that space for you to take stock, for you to see things with more clarity, to catch a breath. So the third thing here that Karen Newhoff brings out is to take some time to rest. So often when we're traveling at breakneck speed, we, we don't like taking space, but we actually need to. We need to take space just to catch a breath, to help us give us time for, to gain clarity and to get the support and help that we need in that space. So take some time to rest. But fourthly, don't quit. So often, and I know myself included, when we, we can fall into the trap of thinking that, yes, we should take rest, and we jump towards that, but we think that we should take rest until everything kind of goes away. 
And I don't think that's always the case. And, and Karen Neoff brings out that point. He says, taking break is, is great, but you know, some people, yes, will need an extended one, a long sabbatical, but at other times it can be helpful, I think, for us to take some space and then come back and still be involved, even to a lesser capacity. Whether it be you come back and you do less things, or you come back and you've delegated a lot more, so you're, you're doing less things in that regard, or whether you come back and you serve in a different role, don't unplug completely. Don't run away and spend years not serving ever again. We may need some time to get back into rhythm and into a healthy balance, but we can also still spend time connecting deeply and being involved because God can still teach us a lot by being involved. So don't quit. Don't run away. Stick at it. Take the time that you need, but don't quit. Don't run away completely. So there are four things that people have brought out um, and I want to spend this last moment here in the podcast just highlighting a few helpful resources that may help you if you're thinking about this topic more or maybe you're in that space where you feel like you're burning out and you're struggling. Here are some resources that can help you. The first one is a book I mentioned earlier, Dangerous Calling by Paul Tripp. Now, as I said, this book is geared largely towards pastors, people in pastoral ministry, who are doing ministry day in, day out as their quote-unquote day job. But there's a lot of things that we can draw out from this book, a lot of things that I've drawn out from this book, which is so helpful when it comes to serving in any capacity and serving sustainably and having the right heart and the right headspace really to serve faithfully and effectively. The second book that I want to draw your attention to is a book called Replenish by Lance Witt. It's been an incredibly helpful book for me as I think about this topic more and more over the last couple of years. It's a very practical book. There's about 30-odd chapters, but interestingly enough, each chapter is probably no more than five or six pages. There's some helpful discussion questions there as well if you want to go through it with your team or with people close to you. A very, very practical book that will help you identify how you can continue to serve and be invested and be a part of what God's doing, but do so in a way that will be sustainable. So you can do it not just for one or two years while you're here in uni, but you can do it for the rest of your life at So and in your local church and the places that God leads you. So that book's called Replenish by Lance Witt. And the last one is a book called Crazy Busy. Now, I haven't read it, but I've heard a lot a lot of good recommendations about it. Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. You might want to check it out. All of these books will be listed in the show notes along with a couple of other articles that are helpful and podcasts that are helpful. But I want to encourage each and every one of you who are listening today. This podcast has been different. I know that when I've been preparing for it, it's been so different. I know that when I'm speaking and recording it now, it's been so different. But I want to encourage you to keep investing to keep thinking about this because as i said we've got an awesome opportunity to be a part of what god is doing in this ministry and beyond and so we want to make sure we can do it for the long haul we can be invested for the long haul and so i want to encourage you keep asking questions keep seeking and and understanding and exploring what it means to serve sustainably the things highlighted today is by no means the final authorities, by no means all there is to to this topic. Keep reading, keep listening, keep exploring, keep seeking to serve God sustainably because when you do, that will be an important part of your growth as a leader, of my growth as a leader. And together we can grow to be that generation of leaders that serve God 
sustainably, faithfully, effectively, not just for a short period of time, but for the entire time that God gives us on this earth. And so I want to encourage you, keep asking questions, keep seeking, and keep developing and growing. Because when you do, you will grow to be part of a generation of leaders that are equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively in all that we do. Thank you for tuning in. For more episodes or information about So, check out our website at so.org.au.